Thank you for joining us around the fire. To learn more about tonight's tale or to make a donation, please visit randomxnetwork.com. Now, want to hear a scary story? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Her name's Cassandra. She went to a state school, somewhere out east. She's been hooking up with this guy, Apollo, who's the president of this fraternity, Alpha Ep something or other. It's the start of the new school year, and the frat is five days away from their historic, traditional toga party. Cassandra's over helping them plan some final party details, sharing in their seemingly endless supply of Miller Lite. She decides to stay the night. Maybe it was the beer. Maybe it was Apollo's smile. Maybe a small part of her knew tonight would change everything. It's now two in the morning, and Cassandra needs to pee. The bathroom on the first floor is much cleaner than the bathroom on the second, so she creeps toward the staircase. The walls are lined with photographs of old pledge classes. She slows down to look at them. Each photograph was nearly identical. The brothers, lined up in front of the house, dressed in their toga costumes, stiff and unsmiling. She stops in front of last year's picture. Their eyes. It's something in their eyes. She thinks about something her grandmother would always say. A photograph traps the soul. Cassandra peels away from the pictures. She still needs to pee. She reaches the staircase, left hand clinging to the banister, and begins to walk down. Unable to stop thinking about the photographs. Why do all frat boys have such dead eyes? She's so distracted by their sad, stoic faces that she doesn't realize she's reached the bottom of the staircase until her foot falls onto the cold stone floor. She stumbles, writes herself, and realizes she isn't on the first floor at all. She's in the basement. I didn't know there was a basement. She slides her hand along the wall to search for a light switch. And the hair on the back of her neck stands up. The walls are covered in carpet. She flips the light switch on, only to immediately wish she hadn't. A dim light bulb, glowing red, sputters to life in the center of the room. The basement is filled with shit. Shelves cluttered with boxes, boxes overflowing with papers, old beer pong tables stacked against the wall, photographs of the frat scattered around. 
the steps of the house bare of brothers. But it's not the mess that makes Cassandra freeze. It's the stand in the middle of the room. More importantly, it's the box on top of it. She steps slowly towards it. The box seems like an ordinary cardboard box, but the red glow of the light bulb and the rickety stand it perches on give it something else. It feels ancient, otherworldly, like a shrine, but to something long forgotten by everyone but a few. Something inside of it calls out to her. She watches her hands move of their own accord, fingertips brushing against the cardboard lid, and as she opens it... How did you get down here? I took the stairs. Normally, his confident, easy gait strikes her as attractive, or at least familiar. But in the basement, in the red light, he looks menacing, like an angry god. You can look. She stares into the box. It's filled with slips of paper, each with something scrawled on it in the chicken-scratch handwriting of a boy. She reaches in, pulling out one slip at a time. They all have a name. Roshni Desai, Paloma Green, Daniela Marquez. She stops. She doesn't want to find her own name. What is this? Tradition. Every Alpha Ep wannabe gets a name. Last person to get their name back in the box, with proof, loses. Proof of what? What the fuck? That is fucked, Apollo. What if someone doesn't want to play? It's not a game. We have to do this. You don't have to do anything. Do these girls even know their names are down here? It's not about the girls, Cass. It has nothing to do with them. Alpha Epp's been doing this forever. There's gotta be a loser. They get dissociated. We get to keep going. Get to keep going? There's always a cost. What the fuck are you talking about? Apollo, this is some fucked up hazing ritual. I can't let you do this. No one will believe you. Tradition is tradition, Cass. Come on. I'll take you home. Cassandra went to her roommate first. But her roommate only said... So they have a weird hazing ritual. What can we do about it? She went to her RA, but her RA only said, I understand why that might be stressful, but it's probably more innocent than you think. Besides, are you sure that's what you saw? She knows she's going to have to take matters into her own hands. The night of the party, she's gonna have to do something about the box. Steal it bring her own physical proof to the administration, or to the girls at the party, or to anyone that would believe her. She dresses in her costume, walks up the front steps of the house, and pushes her way inside. The music's blasting. The lights are dim. And everywhere she looks, she can see the brothers in their togas, like ghosts. She refuses every drink offered her, every joint, anything that could muddy her. She pushes through the throng of people, wishing she had the foresight to take as many names out of the box as she could have. The box, she thinks. I just have to get to the box. Finally, she finds the staircase. She closes her eyes. 
left hand on the banister, and starts to walk down. She tries to recreate exactly what she did that fateful night. She thinks of the pictures upstairs, of the frat boys lined up on the stairs like tombstones or teeth, their dead eyes leering at her from behind the glass. A photograph traps the soul. The music's getting quieter, and the party's noise begins to fade. And suddenly, she's in complete silence. Her foot reaches the last stair. Her hand falls from the banister. She opens her eyes. She's alone. The room glows red. The box sits in the center, a pulsing, beating thing, luring her closer and closer. She reaches the box, her fingertips brushing against the lid, and as she goes to pull it open... I don't want to do this! The sound of footsteps, marching down the staircase. She doesn't have time to think. Cassandra hides herself behind one of the shelves on the far side of the room, peering out between boxes. Six fraternity brothers, dressed in their togas, carry in a seventh. The boy is struggling, but they outnumber him. They're stronger. Their faces are hidden behind masks. White masks with no mouths. Just gaping eyes staring into nothing. One brother breaks away to drag a beer pong table into the center of the room, right in front of the box, right where Cassandra had just been standing. The other five place the struggling boy on top of it. I'm not going to do this. Then you lose. Cassandra watches as the brothers surround the table, strapping the boy down with something. Belts? Ropes? She can't tell. They move quickly, in unison, like they've rehearsed, or they've always known the movements. The tallest among them grabs a picture, one of the house with its steps empty, and holds it over the boy. The light is growing brighter. The box is glowing. The boy is struggling, but the brothers... The brothers are swept up in the horrible bacchanal. It's like they couldn't stop even if they wanted to. Cassandra wants to shout or scream or stop them somehow from doing whatever it is they're about to do. But she's frozen, and before she can shake herself out of it, the picture frame clatters to the table, and the brothers fall silent. And the boy is gone. It's done. You can come out now, Cass. She stands, afraid to speak. If she opens her mouth, she knows. She'll start to scream. And she doesn't know if she'll ever stop. She doesn't want to look. She already knows what she'll see. But still, she needs to know for sure. She needs the truth. She forces herself to look down at the picture. The boy that was just strapped to the table stares back at her from the painting. She swears she can still hear him screaming. There's always a cost. It's... Don't say it's tradition. Necessary. He saved us. He didn't want to play your game. It's not a game. Come on, Cass. Party's waiting. The box glows. Like a lighthouse or a lure. Empty for another year. Her plan seems so simplistic now. So hopeless. 
How could stealing a box of names stop whatever had been spreading like a plague below their feet? A photograph traps the soul. But her grandmother never specified whose soul. The subject of the photograph? The person who took it? Or the people who watched as it happened? Trojan, written by Bianca Phipps, told by Samantha Garcia, featuring Courtney Filer and Aaron Holland. Thank you for joining us around the fire. Random Acts is committed to keeping our content free and accessible to all. Please make a donation to support independent artists at randomaxnetwork.com.